the ideal grift would have been to do Peter Dow, but offset two years. You're a Trump reply guy for four years. And then as Biden slowly reveals that he sucks ass, you pivot into being a leftist. That's that's what we should have done. Basically, you're saying Ryan Knight is the ideal resistance group. Yeah. Because he got he got all of the publicity. He got all of the following. He timed it perfectly because as soon as Warren dropped out, as soon as Warren was no longer viable, he decided that he was going to switch. Yeah. Kennedy, does that seem like a fair version of events? And obviously, I mean, <laughs> we can we can say what we want to say about the sincerity of Ryan's. Because maybe Ryan had just been more left wing the entire time or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Ryan was a was a pragmatist compromiser from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that he was like looking at the Democratic election or looking at Warren like, oh, all these things are great or perfect. Right. I mean, like some people would say we've shifted left as a show. And is that really fair? Or is it just that like, you know, we're responding yeah. to different circumstances? Yeah. I think we definitely shifted left as a show just because we just events were infuriating. Just it was an infuriating year where, where bad stuff kept happening. I mean, it's hard to stay in the Bernie lane when Bernie drops out. Like your choice is either duck left or succumb to Biden. Yeah. We did not succumb and, to the Biden. People, people everybody had their own unique approach to the election to how to deal with that and there was the hold biden accountable gang there was the hold biden accountable but also phone bank for him gang there was the guys you have to stop fascism gang i think that was the most annoying gang yeah the worst <laughs> yes and there were obviously the hard never bidens there were the howie boosters there were the lariva boosters there were just many groups i think the worst kind of grifter can we all agree that it's vosh Whatever sort of brand Vosh is, I don't, I don't like him. Is he the worst? That's like a, he, I mean, Vosh is just like a future Jacobin writer. <laughs> like, what he's doing isn't particularly special. There's a whole magazine dedicated to this. No, I, I think, I think Michael Tracy, and God, you're being, you're being awful to Jacobin, but Michael Tracy, I think is just the worst ostensibly left-wing pundit that I can yeah. think of. In terms He's pretty of bad. And it's so odious of just being just surrounded by the worst possible people. I actually would prefer the the freaking Krasensteins and Gene Goo and all the other corny Trump reply guys to Michael Tracy. Because at least like, you know, Sarah Honestly. Cooper. Sarah Cooper, say what you want about her. You know, we I we watched her Netflix special. Well, I did. And it, uh, it, you it, did? It, Why? Yeah. To punish myself for content, uh, I made a thread, and it w it wasn't funny. There was maybe one part that we could charitably describe as funny, uh, okay. and it's basically like a too many cooks thing. She's at a morning show, and the bits just get more surreal as the the thirty minutes go on. It's a good bit, but anyway, mm -hmm. her uh, her fans are normies. You know, they're not just annoying, irritating edge lords that ruin the internet. They're just not funny. They're just kind of lame that's okay like you know we talk about democracy you can't have a democratic majority of cool people you, no. you literally just can't ever have it so when the left talks about electoral politics and you have such a disdain for uncoolness like i i just don't know if we can spend so much time thinking about cringe and also we have to build power cringe is power there's a lot of power in that cringe <laughs> Cringe is power. Cringe can move mountains, baby. Um, I just want to say, I think it's really obvious with people like Vosh that they come directly out of like the new atheist, like 
to leftist pipeline yeah. where it's just like dunks just dunks yeah. is the is the you know and being really self-righteous the the people who watched dunking on creationist videos in 2015 no 2013 they made a choice to become either anti-feminists or leftists and the people that became leftists are the sorts of people that ended up becoming vosh yeah, just because there's an age gap here, the Zoomer to millennial age gap, because Kennedy, you're a millennial and you're thinking we we served along the Zoomer to millennial <laughs> pipeline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we we served alongside the, the edgy, anti-religious people uh, just during the Bush years. And, uh, I mean, it was a useful pipeline. It was a good pipeline for its time because... I guess. ...being run by people who believed in Gog and Magog. And also, there wasn't... The, the resistance those people were the Sorkins. Like it was the West Wing was the was the resistance to Gog and Magog. So it yeah. was good to, it was good to have somebody to go. Actually, actually, this is all BS. Not necessarily like anti-religion as a whole, but just somebody to poke a hole in that dominionist chokehold on American politics back then. I somewhat agree, but also I was literally on the other side of this debate. Oh, that's true. At the time, that's so true. I still kind and I still kind of relate more to the other side. So. I don't know. I was trying to construct a, a a more effective, like, religious to left pipeline. And although, like, I felt like at the time, like, the things that, like, the movements in that regard were just kind of, like, going nowhere and dying for the most part. It actually feels like now that, like, that idea doesn't seem so crazy or impossible. That's because they've, the right wing has moved on to a new religion, which is just Qism or Trumpism. Or whatever and that is in some ways like has the tenets of a religious faith but i also think i think that the religious left is just starting to get more acknowledgement i think people are starting to like come back around to like talking about the fact that like this leftist interpretations of every religion we're breaking our long-held anti-theism which i think yeah plagued leftism for a while as a result of the anti-creationism videos trend in 2013 that i was just talking about i mean it goes back way further than that really because oh, sure. i mean the 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 anti-religious left basically starts with the the root of marxism and i would say this is one of the biggest flaws but that's kind of a that's kind of a deep topic i think we're here to laugh I mean, <laughs> we can, by all means we can dig into that but... Um, all of that, basically this entire pipeline just started with the worst, the worst of the worst. And I'll tell you, we had a meeting. We, we did our meeting about the runoffs and we got together, you know, after the episode and we said, like, do we still have an audio show? Like, I know April, you've had people, literally all of us have had people ask, do you guys still do the audio show? First of all, isn't it weird that people care about like what we make? It's wonderful, it's such a, honestly. It's, it's such a weird feeling. That's incredible. It's uh, indescribably cool that anyone gives. Sh I'll tell you this too. We did the Georgia runoff stream today. Uh, a friend texted me not an hour later and said, that was great. Thank you. Yes, I also, uh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it's really great. My friend uh, pinged me on Discord to be like, uh, when is your show coming off hiatus? And yeah, it's just it's a it's a nice feeling to know that the work that you do, other people care about it. Not, not only are we being recognized, we get suggestions. Like literally, I talked to a friend and they were like, why don't you chop up your streams and make a best of show? <laughs> like, And they were like, oh, I listen to this other podcast and they do that. And I would probably just listen to that once a week thing. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. Know. 
first of all, thank you. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash <laughs> like if you want a compilation show, you give us a little money, we'll recruit somebody to do that. Uh, but yeah, we we first agreed to do this show way back in the eons of the primaries. Yeah. We couldn't imagine this becoming like a, a real life commitment for any of us. So we said, uh, but all of us are, are goal oriented people, which kind of made it easier for this to work. We said, listen, let's do this for a, a year. And then a little, after little the election, over a year after the election, we'll see. And then we'll, we'll, we'll say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't working. Or we'll say, Hey, let's roll on. And, uh, I guess none of us have said, let's stop. So I guess we're still doing it. I mean, don't make it sound that like passive and apathetic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, I, I think that we've reached the point where like we've created more of a legitimate platform than we ever expected. Yes. Uh, I think that like we kind of had the sense that maybe we'd be able to pick up a little bit of traction through election season, but that like everyone might kind of stop caring because especially, I mean, a, a big focus of our show early on was like candidate interviews and stuff like that, you know, and just being like the weird, the weirdo leftists who interview you like relatively normal candidates and kind yeah. of freak them out like that was like that was like our shtick you know and it was like are people gonna want to stick around when we can no longer do that yeah and also also i mean the weirdos lost to this year was that a fair statement or do we feel like undoubtedly uh, okay i i would I, yeah i would be i would be willing to admit that like we we did not bet well <laughs> if you want no, to say put it that way or if you want to say like America I, I wouldn't want to put it that way actually because that yeah, brings it all wrong we're being, we're being... but i would say that um we took chances on a lot of long shot races we knew a lot of them were long shots we were hopeful that more of these long shots would make it in in the end very few did this is yeah. what it is yeah it doesn't mean that it's all for naught because i would no. say just in the time that we've made this show we've seen political discourse change so much yeah. it's really incredible actually yeah funny I never would have guessed, but by most accounts, the part of the weird left that won the most is, I would say, Andrew Yang. He's respectively being tapped for Secretary of Commerce. David Kim, which was one of his disciples, got very close to winning in a, uh, a California House seat. Another one of his disciples is going to run in Louisiana next year. I think the Andrew Yang front is a little fractured, though. Yeah. Like, I would say that right now, the post-Bernie left is, like, more unified in vision, even if it's still, like, sort of a split between some things. The number of, like, sort of relative overall factions that, like, if we had to, like, make a list of, like, the minimum number of factions that everyone would, like, agree to, it would actually be, like, a pretty small number at this point. Whereas, like, I would say the Yang camp is, like, you know, the Bernie camp post-2016. It's extremely divided. No one knows what they're doing. They don't know what the plan is. For fringe candidates, though, Yang is the winner fringe. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I would say I, I, I wanted to give that caveat because I feel like it's, you know, we'll see is kind of what I'm getting at with some of this. But I think that they definitely came out with a viable and strong movement uh, overall in many respects. And I think that, you know, they did accomplish something. And I would say like the Yang to leftist pipeline is pretty significant, actually. I would say that Yang has a pretty good shot of capitalizing on the gains that he made if he decides to do that intelligently. Yang could actually be the champion of 2024. Like, I just want to throw that out there. I'm not a huge Yang fan. Everybody knows this. I'm not saying this because I'm like in love with the guy. That nothing to do with how I feel about him. But Yang could be the big champion of 2024. And I would say especially if he 
takes, I, I know everyone's going to be like, oh, the leftists, of course, are going to, but if he takes a step to the left, if Yang went full, and I just mean a step, to be clear, I'm not asking Yang to be like a police abolitionist in 2024. I'm not even going to ask for like something like that. But if Yang said in 2024, I'm the healthcare candidate, I changed my mind. Medicare for all. Bernie was right. Think about you it. Know, but you know, but you know, there's Yang podcasts where they're having the same discussion. They're like, you know, if Bernie were to say, "I'm the UBI guy," I was wrong, and Yang was right. I can get, I can kind of get behind that. So that's not a step to the right necessarily, though. That's more of a lateral move. I know. The big problems with the 2024 field as it's being projected right now for the Democrats is there's no real left standard bearer. You think it's too soon for AOC? Because I think. She and Nina are both eyeing that. I think I, Nina's not I realistic. Too soon for I don't know if Nina's realistic, but I know Nina want, has made noise like she'd like to. She's not against it. Because I remember that there were just some conversations about her feeling drafted. And Nina posted on Twitter like, why would I be drafted? Maybe I want to do it. So maybe she does. I don't know. I think she's just saying that, though. And AOC, I, I was reading, AOC has been apprehensive towards continuing her political career at all because of just how strenuous the job is and how hard it is to get things done yeah people are so hard on her she you guys realize she goes to a workplace with like 99 like 98 percent enemies and like one percent people who are okay with her <laughs> I, I imagine if i was yeah that, yeah it'd be hard for me yeah let me just say this too i would rather have aoc in some ways simply because of there would be less star blindness i feel even just like taking away all other factors. I feel like the same way that like liberals forgive Joe Biden for anything. I feel like a lot of progressives would forgive Nina Turner for literally anything. Ooh. And, and, Ooh, and the takes that the this is a hot take. Come on. at me is all I could say, motherfuckers, honestly. Cause like, I'm tired of this. A lot of people subtweeted me when I was going off on Nina Turner about the John Kasich thing too. And all I can say is come, come the fuck at me and actually have a conversation with me cowards. Uh, but anyway, Nina Turner, she, she would be forgiven for anything, but AOC, we could actually hold to like a, like we could hold her feet to the fire and like no one would have a problem with that because like you make a good point that like she gets a lot of shit, but also because she gets a lot of shit, it wouldn't seem weird to be critical of an AOC presidency. But man, you can't say one wrong thing about Nina Turner without certain segments of fucking left Twitter just jumping out at you like, what? I don't think it even matters because I really don't see Nina Turner making it even to Iowa or to New Hampshire. No, there's just no, way. no path for her. The only people she, she'll be the Gravel of 2024. She she'll be the Gravel, but with even less support. I w I don't know if I'd say I less. Know. I don't know if I'd say less. I would even say she might be a more successful Gravel in 2024. But she's still, and that's in my opinion, she would still be a Gravel unless something major changes that I don't see changing. Because right now, people overestimate how popular she is. People that I know that are very plugged into like politics in general compared to like the average person don't know who she is like the only people that know who nina turner are are people on left twitter and like people on left twitter forget that we're the only people that know who nina turner are that's why i think a yang campaign in 2024 would be a lot more successful than a nina turner campaign or even the yang 2020 campaign is because people know who he is now and if he gets secretary of commerce or if he gets like he talked about the mayor of new york city he's gonna have a base to start off with well he if he's mayor of new york he's just gonna immediately disappoint people just because of the nature oh of yeah that sure that, that, that's, that's the thing yeah but he will he will have a national profile yeah he'll have an opportunity
And I listen, I just want to make it clear that I'm talking about just realistic exposure here and yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Yang yeah. has had opportunities to get his name out there to the world. AOC has had opportunities to get her name out there to the world. People on left Twitter forget that the only people who got really excited about Nina Turner as a person are people who went to Bernie rallies and saw her speak. And yes, if you saw Nina Turner speak at a Bernie rally, you're going to go, nice. fuck yeah, Nina Turner's dope. Holy shit, what an incredible person. But most people didn't have that experience. Well, let me say this, Kennedy, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about Nina in a second. If Nina is on her Twitter and she says, and by the way, they'll probably never let this happen again. But if she says, I need 60,000 people to send me a dollar and I'll get on stage and I'll dunk on some people, you send that money right away, right? Absolutely. Uh, maybe. I would consider it for sure. I'm not against it. So if that's the, I just don't think they'll ever let that happen again, especially because in 2024, we'd be talking about a primary. So they're definitely, you're not even going to be allowed to be on a stage and Biden won't go to a stage with anybody. Else. Well, we don't know because Biden said he might be a one-term president. I'm banking on Biden not standing for re-election. If Biden, even in 2022, and let's say that whatever the, the political situation is, uh, he says, listen, everybody, I wanted to, I really ran to uh, be polite to people and reestablish the military industrial complex. And I've done <laughs> both of those. My work here is done. Uh, you guys can just pick whoever you want. Then the Democratic Party chooses Kamala Harris, right? And yeah. if, so, if so, then isn't, aren't we just doing the same thing just in terms of there won't be any debate stage. There won't be any, they'll be trying to not let anybody do anything. I imagine it'd be a lot like the 2000 primaries where Al Gore was basically uncontested. I mean, Bill Bradley did contest. That's I what mean, I mean. I mean, they were on a state. Yeah, they were, he, Bill Bradley had enough support that they were on a stage together. And we I think could, that's probably what's going to happen. Let's get Bill Bradley on the show. Let's get Bill Bradley on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, let, let's talk about, I thought that we were just past Nina Turner discourse, but now you've kind of opened the door a little bit. Nina Turner did uh, a podcast episode with John Kasich, Big John. Uh, and I haven't listened to the episode, although I am a Hello Somebody patron, partially for the merchandise. Like I'm waiting for Nina to send me a tote bag and some other stuff. But despite not having listened to the show, which always gets you in trouble, just from the summary, they talked about activism in Ohio and the hard compromises needed to pass bills. So without analyzing the content of the episode, because although I am a patron, I did not listen to it because I don't want to necessarily let John Kasich in my ear for that long. Just as a strategic move or just do you find it troubling to have John Kasich as a guest on your admittedly lower platform than people I think understand? I mean, even if you're talking about reaching activism in Ohio, John Kasich is not good at that. As we saw in 2020, where Trump won Ohio by, I think, larger margins than he won it in 2016. Correct. And Kasich was a speaker at the DNC. He talked up and down for Biden. This was supposed to move Ohio and move Republicans, and it did neither. So did nothing. There's no use in it. Why would you do that on a practical perspective? And why would you do that on a personal perspective of this is the man who did that, da, 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 as a Republican governor? So, yeah, Kennedy, what are your thoughts on it? So first of all, I just want to say, like, it's not canceling Nina Turner to criticize this move. I just want to put that out there before I even give my takes, because some fucking idiot is going to be in my mentions. You couldn't um, listen to the episode. 
Um, yeah. Uh, and I just want to say, like, in at no point have I tried to cancel her. I've been very clear about one thing. I would never have John Kasich on my podcast. Or at least on this podcast. I'll even be more specific. I would never have John Kasich on this podcast. Maybe I'll be on a show someday where it really makes sense to have John Kasich on. Because, like, we slime people like a Nickelodeon show. And I just (laughs) want to dump slime on John Kasich. Um, But this podcast. No, I would never have John Kasich on this show. And this is a fun show. <laughs> laugh here. It's funny to be here. Oh, He's not God. capable of having fun, so that's an issue right up right off the bat. <laughs> um, but should Nina Turner have had him on the show? No, absolutely not. It's not an acceptable move, in my opinion, to platform someone like that. Uh, let me push back. Is John Kasich being platformed by going on Nina Turner's relatively small podcast? Because I, I know where you're going talk, with this. Yeah, we talk about. We sometimes talk about they're de- they want to deplatform Trump. Trump is the president. He. Like John Kasich is a former governor of a, of a, of a state. Uh, he's also was the featured speaker at the Democratic National Convention. He was offered the vice presidency. Is platforming relevant here? I think something that's undervalued in terms of like something that needs to be addressed is just like negative time spent. Because it's not really necessarily about the fact that John Kasich got to go on her show. No one's going to hear that show and they've never heard of John Kasich before. I completely agree with that point. But what I'll say though is that we literally all have a finite amount of time on Earth. We are only going to make so many episodes of our show. There are only going to be so many episodes of Hello Somebody that are made ever. And there's no possible way, even if Nina did nothing but just interview Ohio activists that are like actual progressives, she could do that for the rest of forever and not run out of guests, right? Like she could just get people who just, here's somebody who does food, not bombs in Cleveland. Here's somebody who, you know, helps get progressives elected in Columbus. Here's somebody from Athens that, you know, organizes mutual aid stuff, right? Like you could do that. She could do that for the rest of the life of her podcast. And I think it's just a question of like, it's like I say, it's not necessarily about platforming John Kasich. It's more of like the negative of like, who who didn't get a platform because you chose to like try to rehab this guy who literally has insulted you personally. I just want to put that out there. Like when they used to work together in, in Ohio State Legislature, their relationship was not cordial. And now she's having him on the show to act like, oh yeah, you know, we didn't always get along, but we got things done. That's not how it was when he was in office. Like that's a fairy tale. So that's that's truly that's truly what makes it irresponsible is that she's selling a fairy tale. She's selling a fairy tale that she herself did not live and knows better. Exactly. So hey, I've got a reading series. It's a CNN article that Nina and John wrote together, uh, and this was just during the heat of the George Floyd fucking never-ending rolling nightmare. I love that we can fucking curse on this show, by the way. Just whenever we want. We don't even have to think about it or slap ourselves on the back of the wrist. But anyway. That's the real reason we kept making the audio show. (laughs) Yeah, we were about to shut this thing down. And April was like, you know, we can just curse whenever we want on that thing. And we can't curse whenever we want on the streams. And we were like, oh, damn. Good point. All right. So listen, we're going to do just, okay, stop. I'm going to read some of it. And if you want me to skip some things, you say skip. And if you just want to throw in the towel, we'll throw in the towel. So Kasich and Nina, we know policing can be made more just because we did it. As flames rose in Minneapolis and spread block by block and turned to violence and unrest in communities across the nation, many couldn't see past the wrongful acts of the underlying pain that drove them. As wrong as the violence, vandalism, and looting was, it was also entirely foreseeable. 
It was the predictable boiling over of a pot made too full and too hot from decades of white on black killings by police and others perpetuated in the misguided and prejudicial pursuit of security. This ongoing drumbeat of violence of which George Floyd's tragic killing was only the latest example has no place in a country purportedly founded on liberty and justice for all. Yet it continues and with it does also the question many are asking, including those who rioted. What do we have to do to have our pain acknowledged and our complaints addressed? Being a person of color in America, particularly an African-American, brings with it a fundamental risk unknown to white people in our country. Traffic stops, walks down the street, trips to the store, thousands of other routine daily activities bring with them suspicions that can often ignite actions with irreversible consequences. The stress of living with that kind of fear only rises when it's largely dismissed by the rest of society. Anybody have any thoughts on this so far? I think this is a good George Bush 2005 kind of speech. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if we consider like the left to have a political funnel the way that the right has a political funnel, this is the very top of our funnel and it's okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we talk about that all the time. <laughs> You can't go like the John Kasich, Nina Turner op-ed should, shouldn't have the phrase a cab in it, you know, but, um, all right, well, April, how do you feel about this so far? And we're about halfway through. It's the kind of stuff that like, if you were hate watching the DNC, you'd turn it the volume down and look on your phone because you knew this was going to be boring and not particularly objectionable. It's just kind of there. Um, it's predictable that those whose pain and rights have been ignored will seek increasingly stronger ways to obtain the justice and respect they deserve. It's not inevitable that violence is necessary to achieve a just resolution. The respect of listening is the most powerful antidote to alienation. In the course of listening, people of good faith can often learn something they don't know, and acting on this new knowledge to improve our community can unleash something radically transformative, peace. This isn't pie in the sky, it's real and it works, and we know because it worked for us. In the wake of a series of police-related white-on-black shootings in Ohio, and these are, what an incredible phrase, police-related white-on-black shootings. Uh, I'm going to start using that. Including the killings of John Crawford and Tamir Rice, we came together to launch the Ohio Task Force on Community Police Relations. And our goal was to find durable solutions to the fraught relationships between the police and the communities they're meant to protect in order to safeguard all Ohioans. A diverse, experienced, committed group traveled the state, listening to anyone and everyone with a view to share. These perspectives became recommendations, which became Ohio's first ever statewide standards for police departments, governing the use of force, recruiting, community integration, and data collection. And uh, the Ohio Collaborative Community Police Advisory Board was created to implement those recommendations. So here, I, I gotta stop you, because here's the issue with all this. Yeah. It's not somebody will come along and say, well, look at West Virginia's policing system or Mississippi's or something. And Ohio is clearly better than that or something to try to like dunk on me and be like, oh, I'm in, I mean, I don't have realistic enough, blah, blah, whatever. Fuck it. Shut up. I know people that live in Ohio. Like things aren't that much better with the police. OK, it's not like a like a huge, massive. It's like the Joe Biden ad that we watched uh, on the post show where the guy said banning the chokehold was inspiring in the freestyle rap. And it's like, that's not inspiring. Banning the chokehold is not inspiring. That's not, you've forgotten what inspiring means if you think that's what this means. And I know this whole article stinks of that kind of shit, especially at this point where they're just talking about, you're just getting into this. But I will say this is still better than her having him on the podcast in terms of content, I think. Oh, yeah, well, shit. <laughs> Because I feel like this is is still more of like an acknowledging kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, this is this is 80% finished, so I'll just say the most impactful change in the system has been developing crucial standards to guide the interactions between law and the community, such as guidelines on use of force. Hundreds of agencies have been recertified in the standards and allows community members peace of mind and a sense of optimism when interacting with the police. No one should take up violence to advance their cause, nor should anyone need to. We've got problems, but our system can work if leaders have the will and courage to acknowledge injustice, listen, and then act. Um, there's a little more about, you know, respecting each other, but you guys get the overall tenor of the thing. Ending violence is a goal that's attainable by leaders when they have courage and compassion and act in the interests of those they serve. It's like just it's work, you know? I'm just going to say again, I have friends in Cleveland that have been at a large number of the like BLM and related protests. Yeah. Get real. And Columbus, Columbus has just absolute ton of violence. Yeah, like the police have gassed the people at these protests excessively in these cities. The Ohio police have not been known for any kind of particularly like good behavior through any of this. It's ridiculous to even pretend like, oh, yeah, we fixed the problem. No. We didn't fix shit. Columbus is like, not a, a, a oasis for police community collaboration. Also, I feel like maybe Ohio has some kind of weird history of like law enforcement violence, but you know, maybe that's a <laughs> subject for another time. Really, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I think I was expecting something more substantial than this. It's not even really objectionable beyond your championing achievements that don't exist and are very, very underwhelming. It's just, like I said, a very nothing article. But I mean, she got a task force. Mm. I mean, if you're if you're Nina Turner, you probably like you got to remember that Tamir Rice did happen in her backyard. Getting a task force isn't nothing because in a lot I, of states, I guess so. You don't get the task force. You get a you get a cigarette stubbed out on the middle of your forehead. You get called names. I mean, like I said before, like, yes, you can point to a lot of other places where they haven't gotten that and say, well, this is an accomplishment. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, you have to have accomplishments that feel significant enough to me. And it's kind of like a situation where like, if your boat is flooding with water, then we need to have accomplishments that feel at least on the level of getting a whole bucket full of water out. Not like uh, I, I took a straw and I sucked up a little water into the straw and then I spit it into the ocean. Like that's We talked this... with the other boat passengers <laughs> about how to approach buying a bucket. Yeah, like... <laughs> we just need significant enough solutions and 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 i can just tell you because like i said i just i know too many people there that like the solutions have not been nearly significant enough to come anywhere close to fixing the problem and the suggestion of the article is that we know what to do we fixed it already and i hate that i really hate that because that's that's undermining real progressivism. And this is where I start to like question Nina Turner's actual motives, which is something I wish that I had never had to do because I've always liked her before now. And it's very unfortunate that she's putting me in a situation where I have to wonder what game is she really playing and what is the actual goal that she's trying to achieve. Now that said, I'd be happy for Nina Turner to turn around and do good things and for this to just be a weird bump in the road. But I don't know, this whole John Kasich thing, the rehabilitation of John Kasich is really a disgusting thing. Yeah. So the resistance, how can the next four years be funny, everybody? Because it just <laughs> looks like there's, you know, it's going to be a hard four years for comedy. We built so much infrastructure around making fun of the eminently funny Donald Trump. And what are we going to do now? Like, 
what are the reply guys, the out of work Trump reply guys going to do? We need we need stimulus. We need funny. We need a com- we need a comedy stimulus. We need a comedy <laughs> stimulus. I propose that we put Trump in a Truman show style dome where we we get a bunch of actors to pretend that he's still president and then we live broadcast that. What if we just make a new season of The West Wing but it stars Donald Trump? Ooh. That is that is funny. That has potential. <laughs> I think that would that would bring ruin to both Trump and Aaron Sorkin. So it's a win-win. Hold on. I at first I was just being silly, but actually, is it the craziest idea that Trump would want to be some kind of shadow president and that he would do it through the form of media? Well, he's 100% launching like Trump TV or whatever as soon as he gets out of office because if there's one thing he really hates, it's not being the center of attention. Yes. Uh, I just think, I just think like the idea of Trump making a show where he's like, if I was president, this is how I would fix things. Maybe it's not like acted out because he's not really that type necessarily, but it might be more of just like an Alex Jones, like Trump ranting into a microphone, right? Like I can imagine like he buys OAN and then just has an hour where everybody still refers to him as president and he makes pronouncements of how he would handle the contemporary American crisis or whatever. Ever. I can I can definitely imagine that. I mean, this is also essentially kind of how I see it, like a coup going down, because I don't believe that like the entirety of the country would just agree to continue to listen to Donald Trump in January. Like, I feel like we'll just have two competing governments at that point. I think that would be very funny. We need an anti-pope, but with presidents where Trump flees to Brazil <laughs> and pretends Trump- to be president. <laughs> Trump pretends to be president from Brazil. That- oh damn he tries to bring his cabinet with him but all he can get is like rudy giuliani (laughs) no he'll get he'll get a few people he'll get like uh like marco rubio will consider it you know like there's a few there's a few maniacs that will think about dan crenshaw will consider the offer i don't know who else off the top of my head but a few of the like really right-wing maniac weirdos will be like hmm i'm i'm going to brazil (laughs) that would be incredibly funny Maybe there is still some comedy to be had in in <laughs> the post-Trump era. But uh, what about the current actors? Yeah, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with a lot. Of, I've been wondering what the hell SNL is going to do, for instance, because like yeah. they've leaned so hard. And obviously, SNL has reinvented themselves many times. I'm not trying to sit here and be like, like act like that's impossible because that would be stupid. But I, I'm just wondering, what are they going to do, though? Like, what is what is like the game plan now? Because, you know, you've got a situation where like we're heading into like just a lot of misery in america biden's talking about austerity he's also not like funny or make fun of a bull in like a a super strong way you can't make fun of biden from a centrist perspective it has to be a left-wing critique or a right-wing critique but snl of course would never go for that yeah, like like SNL aren't going to make jokes about how Biden gives rambling speeches that make no sense because they wouldn't want to like, you know, denigrate his presidency in that way or something like that. You, like, I mean, well, they might, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see it. They'll probably do a sitcom thing where Biden will be the dumb guy and Kamala will be the smart person that does everything. And that way they'll be able to get some comedy out of it. But That I could see. Yeah, they'll do that. Yeah. They'll have Jim Carrey go do Ace Ventura for like five minutes of the skit and Kamala will be like, wow, it's so hard doing the actual work of really being president. <laughs> it's just like fucking how Animaniacs treated Bill Clinton. 
Actually, they'll love doing that because a lot of SNL's humor right now is like feminism from 30 years ago type of vibes. So like, yeah, they'll be like, it'll be like 90s feminism vibes of like, you know who really runs things around the house. It's not the man. <laughs> that is an important question. Like it's been tossed around what administration Biden is going to look like. He's uh, I remember reading that he's going to be what Kerry in 2004 would have been or the recreation of the austerity of Bill Clinton. But w- what do you think? How do you think it's the vibes of the Biden administration are going to feel? I think the vibes are going to be blue Trump. I think that like it's like we're going to have another weird rambling inconsistent knucklehead in the White House that we don't know if he's like actually sitting in the big kid's chair or if he's like just like fucking off on any given day, which is like the Trump situation, right? Like on any given day, you don't know if Trump is actually like trying to be presidential or if he's just playing golf and talking shit about poor people. Like um and I feel like, you know, Biden's not going to play golf per se, like he's not going to be like exactly the same, but I feel like Biden's going to be kind of lackadaisical and whimsical, probably. Um, I think the difference between him and Trump is that the Trump campaign really did the opposite of hiding Trump and his antics. But Biden is going to be surrounded by a cadre of people that want to present a return to normality. So he's going to be hidden away as much as possible. I don't yeah, know. I don't, see, I don't see Biden being like a firm spotlight figure, although he will go once in a while to do something inspirational. But is Trump a firm spotlight figure? He uses more, more surrogates than like any president in a long time i know but trump's a twitter person and he's got a large following on twitter he's he's constantly posting he's constantly posting and he's interesting on twitter joe biden's a twitter person by which i mean he has a staff that writes pete Buttigieg isms yeah non-stop all day terrible (laughs) nobody cares about that terrible like literally during the election the biden fans were begging people to follow biden on twitter so that he would look like a viable celebrity or whatever like they they were just literally please follow him I think that they will for the sake of trying to be like, yes, yes, normalcy. Yes, yes, things are good. I think they will parade Biden around a little bit. I I do think they'll hide him a fair bit, but I think they'll also make a point of, especially every time everyone's kind of like, has anyone seen Joe Biden? Uh, Then then immediately mainstream media, which absolutely pays attention to when those things trend on Twitter will, you know, like call the White House and say, we need a press conference to prove that Joe Biden is alive. Um, Yeah, we'll see him. We'll see him, you know, during those first hundred days. And then after that, I think we'll see just his appearances drop off and he'll be doing more fundraising and just backstage kind of meetings and stuff like that. But we don't know for sure. You know, the future is not written in stone. I still think, I think he's going to be out there a little more. I think he's going to be, I think Mm. they are going to parade him around as like this champion of decency. And, uh, you know, he's going to give, he's going to find one Republican that's willing to take the COVID vaccine and do a big (laughs) photo op with it. He's going to go to Missouri and find a guy with the truck. The original plan was to find three Republicans who would take the COVID vaccine. But unfortunately, that turned out to not be possible. Even John Kasich said no. Yeah. Um, surprised everyone because we really thought he was on our side uh <laughs> but yeah you know he's gonna do a photo op with some guy with a truck i don't usually trust the government but i really need some help with this covid vaccine and biden is gonna sniff him <laughs> like, you know? I, 
I also think he's gonna make a big show out of like trying to get a few things done, but like, oh, there's so many problems or whatever. Like he's gonna be like, we need to expand Obamacare, but then he'll immediately be like, okay, how do we expand Obamacare? I actually have no plan for this. And then it'll go to commissions and it'll get drug out and Republicans will cry about it, even though like the bill is actually bad for people, but just because it sounds kind of like healthcare, the Republicans will cry about it. Like it's gonna be just like a lot of goofy shit like that probably going on. Well, listen, I don't want to I don't want to make too many, you know, predictions about the Biden administration because we have tons of time to do that. What do we think is going to happen to the real winners of this election, which are the, the liberal blue wave Trump repliers? Because like the Krasensteins, they made so much business. Dr. Eugene Gu. By the way, is this rumor about the Krasensteins retiring? Is that real? Yeah, uh, uh, that's not a rumor. I mean, like, um, first of all, leave. the Krasenstein alt account posted, we're going to be resigning because we won and democracy won. And we got Orange Man out. We're not going to be on Twitter anymore. <laughs> I like Please how don't spread misinformation anymore. I like how you're calling the Krasenstein wife account just the Krasenstein alt account. Well, I, I, I genuinely refuse to believe that that's not the brothers managing it. I'll say this. If it is the wife, I feel like she... I don't even actually I'm not even going to say anything. I just I'm disturbed by I'm disturbed by everything about the persona reflected by that Twitter profile and the posts and everything. It's very distressing uh, just in yeah, general. The post, the post does say we want wait, can we just read this thread? Let's just read sure. it. I'll just, just read, read it. it. Farewell, everyone. My mission here, as well as my husband and brother-in-laws, was always to fact check Trump and counter his use of social media to attack our democracy. On November 3rd, we won. America won and the world won as the president lost in what he'd call a landslide. I'm taking a break from social media, perhaps forever, as I feel the onslaught of lies will gradually wane from here. With that said, <laughs> social media could be this nation's downfall if those in charge allow it to be used to spread baseless conspiracy theories and centralized ra radical ideology. Over the last five years, we've had our lives threatened dozens of times. Disgusting lies made up and propagated about our families, the FBI, DHS, and local police at our homes numerous times because of threats and false reports by Trump sycophants. When our families started this journey, we decided that Trump's loss would be our last hurrah. There, this this thing is so it's too long, but we never earned any money. All right, money. stop reading it. This we never no. made. Wait, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say, I'll get the high note, which okay. is they never made any money. They never grifted anybody. They donated their money to charity. We got sued a lot, and um, we need to bring back fact-checking. We need to bring back facts. Memes are viewed by many people, and they brainwash people. I hope that my words were able to change at least one opinion. We'll never agree with each other, but division and hatred needs to stop. All that good stuff. How do you feel? I think it's hilarious if you think that misinformation <laughs> is going away. Yeah, Trump's account is still up. Yeah, Trump also, I mean, like, I won. Yeah, you're, you're, you're saying that you won, but Trump is is fielding a coup in that, like, low-key way that he feels a weird idea. Like, he's just kind of, like, floating it out there, like, uh, what if I won instead of losing, even though I clearly didn't, and just, like, fucking with every... He's firing his officials if they won't agree to, like, pursue the narrative that he won. He's acting extremely suspicious to pretend like it's all over but that also somehow you're not a grifter you're 100 percent a grifter the real work starts now 
uh <laughs> in my opinion like all this other stuff wasn't even as significant as like the work that needs to be done now so it's a complete joke to act like oh yeah like it you know mission this is like george bush on the aircraft carrier mission accomplished <laughs> fucking just just making up a, a version of reality that suits your purposes a hundred percent y'all were grifters you made money off of this uh i'll prove it someday if, you know what i'm a journalist now i'm gonna investigate the Krasenstein fucking oh, money i'm going to like that's to gonna be that's gonna own. be an upcoming episode of not no, i'm serious <laughs> for those of you out there listening it's going to be an upcoming episode of not safe for walks i'm going to investigate the Krasenstein money and i'm going to come back when i have my answers and i'm going to show that these people are the biggest fucking grifters on the planet because here's the thing i already have seen some of the evidence and i know for a fact that I will be proven right when I do this. Well, first of all, <laughs> Kennedy, don't you feel like you could take those valuable hours and invest it into your own grift? That, this is my grift. Them being uh, just well-off libs, it's just entirely possible that the thing that they actually wanted from this was gratification and some positive pingbacks in the echo chamber. I think that their money was already straightened out. They might have lost money doing this, um, but the thing that they wanted was just the number going up. Kennedy, no, no, the, the, the Krasenstein brothers are, are Ponzi schemers. They're grifters by nature. Like they all they know is grifting. I do not, I will not believe for one second that suddenly getting Donald Trump out of office turned them fucking noble and like made them change their ways when all they've ever done in their entire life is shady financial schemes. Okay. Well, listen, how do y'all feel about Sarah Cooper who did her Netflix special? Uh, <laughs> I'm envious. I, I'm, I, stories like that always make me envious because I think I could have done that. I could have lip synced Trump on TikTok Trump. and then gotten a Netflix special. That's true. You could have. You could have. Capitalism rewards innovation. You got to get in there. I could have, but I didn't. <laughs> lip syncing. Yeah. This, this is the problem. We told you to become a TikToker. We actually did. And we also told. We also told. We uh, told you to become a TikToker, April. We told yeah. you. Yeah, I, 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 it's something I've, it's something I've actually been thinking about as of late, and I might, I might, I might do the jump. You know what you should do? You know what you should do? You should get a Bernie shirt and do an Oki Boomer video now. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. We might as well end on that note because that's funny as hell. I will say that we we did try very hard to get Trey Bridgewater, who's not on Twitter anymore and doesn't exist as a public figure, but we really did try to get we tried to get Speaking many Speaking of grifters. We did try to get many people oh, Kennedy. Messy, <laughs> I don't Messy Kennedy. Don't... We'll tell you off air. Uh, okay. But yeah. We've tried to recruit multiple people to TikTok. TikTok should pay us because we keep sending people over there. Uh, that should be our grift. Referral for TikTok. So um, download TikTok at our affiliate link. It's the episode. It's in the our affiliate link is patreon.com slash not safe. Yeah, and we'll get it. We'll do it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for, yeah, just Thank listening. you for being a, a loyal listener yeah. who stuck through it with us as we figured things out and kind of... We've been figuring things out for a long time. It's really Let tough. the audio episodes languish a little bit, but we're, we're going to be doing this. It's back on back on schedule. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're back, baby. We're back, baby. We're back. April got fired. Uh, so now, as economic desperation I, sets in, I did back not get to the fired. Street.
It's it's. Her- <laughs> I just want to set the record straight. If you're calling people to vote on an initiative, it doesn't really make sense to call them after the initiative has been voted on. Have you? Well, it makes about as much sense as doing an okay. You know, I don't think I don't think you put in. I don't think you put in enough effort. Really, pr- I think if you had really proved yourself, that they would have kept you on to continue to call Damn. people about that initiative. Damn, good work. Good point. These Zoomers have no work ethic. That's what if I, I. If I could have been paid to call people that were against the legal weed initiative and then just gloat over the phone, like, fuck you, we got this shit passed. <laughs> I would take that job. If and that was a job. End on that note. If they were to pay me to call Trump supporters in Georgia to just <laughs> laugh at them, oh, boy, I'd be in hog heaven. Lincoln Project. That's Lincoln what Project. that's what <laughs> All right. Yeah, see you around. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.